Hey, it's Pastor Jeffrey Graff with Faith Family Church Next Gen. Thanks for tuning in. I hope this message brings truth, clarity, and hope to your situation. God loves you very much, and I hope you feel that today. Enjoy the podcast. Good evening. Can you tell the band thank you? They do such a great job every single week. And I'm glad that you're here. We are starting a series called Toxic Traits. Help me out. Everybody say toxic. Basically, what we're talking about in this series is traits that, if you possess them, are toxic to your relationships. And I want to be very clear from the start. I'm not just talking about, like, boyfriend-girlfriend relationships, romantic relationships. I'm talking about even friendships. A lot of people have some dysfunctional friendships, not just dysfunctional, you know, romantic relationships. So I'm just going to dive straight in. I got four of them that we're going to be talking about. And here's the first one that I cannot wait talk to you about today. Toxic trait number one, being easily offended. Easily offended. Y'all know that people are so easily offended these days. Very easily. Sometimes for good reasons. I remember the first time I was ever like legitimately offended. I was in the fourth grade and I was a fat kid. And it's not even funny. Do you stop just <laughs> It is funny. I went to go get, you've heard me tell this story because it's a you know those stories that form who you are? This is one of them. I went to get some water, and I bent over, and this girl named Jessica Sierra, I shouldn't have said the whole name, she, she grabbed my love handles, was a little fat mud ball, and she was like, Pillsbury Doughboy, and she shook him. And I was like, I hate you. And for like my whole life, I was offended at her. But then you got offenses that are like, not that big of a deal. You know what I mean? Like in the shoe game. You rose that shoe and I... No, I was playing dog. <laughs> like, um, for real, if you think I'm lying, you could go to any like social media post and just read it. You will find somebody arguing over some petty stuff. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And we all do it the dumbest ways. You could be going you know, out to eat with a friend and somebody compliments your friend's outfit and then you're like, so you don't like my outfit? That's not what they said. They said that they, and then you'll make it up in your mind, like, that it got worse. They said that my outfit was ugly. That's not what they even said. They said they liked your friend's outfit, and it grows. Like, they said I'm ugly. <laughs> they didn't say you're ugly. They said they liked your friend's outfit. For better or for worse, we get easily offended. Everybody say easily offended. But today, I want, to, I want you to see what happens when you live easily offended or just offended, period. Even if it's not even if you have a legitimate reason to be offended, if you hold on to it and you're offended by your peers or your church, your friends, your family, it is a trap. T-R-A-P, trap. I remember uh, when I was in the sixth grade. Does anybody know what Ignite Summer Camp is? Okay, if you don't know what Ignite Summer Camp is, Ignite Summer Camp is the camp that our youth kids go on in the summer. So I was in the sixth grade, junior high, and uh, I went to Ignite Summer Camp. Well, I stayed in the junior high dorms because I was a junior high, but I had a lot of high school friends because I was really cool. Just kidding, I wasn't that cool. But I remember my high school friends came over to me and they're like, hey, we really want to prank the junior high dorm tonight, Right? I gotta be careful telling this story tomorrow in the youth because they're gonna be like, You pranked Pastor G. I'm like, Shut up, I'm a changed man. Anyway, <laughs> they were like, Hey, we really wanna prank the junior high boys tonight, but we need someone to let us in. Can you let us in and then we'll help you? I mean, you can help us prank all the kids. And I was offended. They thought I was like, you know, like a snitch. I'll switch up. Really? Think I'm gonna forsake? 
my junior high brothers that easy? Made me mad. So I looked them dead in the face. I said, what time are you going to come through? And, and they said, one o'clock, open the door, it's going down. So I was like, bet. We did our little handshake. And then uh, that's, that part's dramatic. And then uh, what I actually did is I got all my little junior high, and I, or, I organized the revolt of the century. I was freaking George Washington crossing the Delaware. Like, hey, brothers, come here! And everybody came, and I told them, like, at 1 o'clock, it's going down. So you get your shaving cream, you get your silly string, you get your pillowcase full of shoes. Like, I don't care what you bring, but we bring in stuff, okay? And they're going to come in, and I'm going to unlock it, and then you guys are going to pop out, you know, with your shaving cream, your silly string, your nines. No, I didn't say nines. And, <laughs> and so they come, they come around, right? And they're thinking like, oh, we're going to get them so good. We gonna... And they creep in, and right when they step in, I'm like, and everybody's just going crazy. Like, we still lost because we were little. But we've tried. Like, we went down swinging. The moral of the story is they went in thinking, oh, we're about to get them. And they got got. It was a trap. Everybody say trap. This is what I'm saying. They thought they were getting us. We got them. This is exactly how being offended works. When you're offended, you say mean things. You feel mean ways about people. You, oh, man, did you see that? And you feel like, oh, I'm getting them so good. No, you're not. Being offended is something that traps you. It's exactly what it means in Scripture. Let me show you. In the Bible, the word offended comes from the Greek word scandalon. The word offended comes from the Greek word scandalon. So here you go. Take Matthew 24, 10. It says this. You got the underlying part. And then many will be offended, but the, the word scandal on they will betray one another and they'll hate one another really in the scripture uh scandal on this word to be offended has three meanings the first meaning is to become offended the second meaning is to make somebody stumble and the third meaning is to set bait in a what yeah like cheese in a mouse trap baby just before you know it so watch in the greek version of the Old Testament, Psalm 141.9, it says this, keep me from the what? In the Greek word, same word as offended. Keep me from the trap, scandal on, that they have set for me. Why am I telling you this? Because listen, listen, to be offended and to be trapped in Greek is like the same idea. It's the same word. And what you've got to know is if the devil can get you offended, then the devil can keep you trapped. I don't think we understand that. If the devil can keep you offended, the devil can keep you trapped. Let me show you how this happens because we all get offended. And if you don't believe me, just who's somebody's name that I could say to you and the second I said it, like it wouldn't sit right with you. You know, Derek. Ugh. Hey, Derek. Right? I'm about to say somebody's name in here. I'll stop. But we all get offended. And let me show you in scripture. Proverbs 18, 19, it says this. You still got the underlying part. It says, a brother, let's do it a little better. A brother is harder to win than a strong city. What does that mean? If you had a strong city, what it meant is that your city has some legit walls around it, right? And these walls were meant for two reasons. First of all, they would keep intruders out. 
and they would only let the people in who paid what they owed. So what is this saying about uh, a people who live offended? It's saying this, when we get offended, we build walls just like a strong city. When we get offended, we want to keep intruders out and we do not want anybody to come in until they have paid us what we feel like they owe us. In other words, here's a bottom line. I'm gonna be working on it the whole service, but here's how it starts. Offense becomes a fence. See what I did there? Offense, everybody say offense. Look, I know it's Valentine's, a lot of people are out, but we still gotta have energy, okay? Offense becomes, that's my fault. <laughs> Offense, okay? So we get offended, and here's what we do. We put walls up to protect ourselves. And maybe you think like, well, Pastor G, isn't that smart? Like if somebody hurts me, if somebody betrays my trust, shouldn't I put walls up? Absolutely. You should not just trust anybody. You should love everybody. You should forgive everybody, but you shouldn't trust everybody. So yes, we put these walls up for protection. But let me tell you what happens so many times. We put these walls up for protection, but what's really going on inside those walls is resentment. It's not, we're like kidding ourselves. I want the best for them. No, you don't. I'm protecting myself, but how does your heart feel about them? Because I know you got to put walls up, but if you're somebody in a relationship who's so easily offended, then what happens is protection really becomes resentment. And we build this fence for that reason, but if we're not uh, careful or we're not honest, there are hard spots in our heart towards people that we're called to love even if they hurt us. See, there's a difference between protection and resentment. Let me tell you a story about how I came to understand this. When I was in college, I was dating this girl, and she was horrible. But uh, she, like, she, didn't treat, like, she wasn't like the worst girlfriend in the world, but she didn't treat me very good. And we broke up. And it's one of those breakups where it's like, no, nah, I want the best for him. You know, everybody says that. Does everybody mean it? I don't know. But everybody says it. No, I want the best for him. It was mutual. Okay. Well, it was mutual. So I really think, you know, I want the best for her, but I got my fence up. I got my walls up. I'm not going to, like, trust her again. I'm not going to just give my trust away. And I really thought, like, no, we're doing good. We're cool. And then she started dating somebody else. And here's my opinion. You really know you're over it if you're chill when they're dating somebody else, okay? So I'm like, no, I want the best for her. Then she starts dating somebody else, and I'm like, never mind, I hate her. But I was really, I didn't say it that bluntly, but I was like, in my head, like, why, why does she get to be happy? She's the one who had a jacked up, she was mean to me, she was rude to me. Like, why does she get to be the one that's happy? And it really messed with my head, and it kind of, to some extent, confined me to my room. I didn't want to go out and hang out. I was just too mad. I wasn't in a good mood. I didn't want to run into them in the cafeteria. No, I just wanted to, like, get my to-go plate and watch Netflix and just chill in my room. Well, I remember one day my friends were like, hey, we're going to go out. You want to come with us? And I was like, no, nah, I don't want to because I was still just, like, mad about it. And so anyway, I'm sitting in my room, and I start to get frustrated that I'm still mad that she's having a good time. And I was, you know thinking that I was over it. No, I want the best for her, but apparently I didn't. And so I start praying like, God, why am I so angry? Like why? And then Jesus kind of led me to the story that he talks about called the parable of the unforgiving servant. We talked about it somewhat recently, um, so I'm not going to go into it, but here's how the story goes. There's this king and there's this servant 
and the servant owes the king like billions of dollars. And so the servant looks at the king. He's like, man, please just be patient with me. I'm going to come up with the money. I'll pay you back. And then Matthew 18, 27, it says, the king was filled with pity for him. And he released him and forgave his debt. So this guy was just given, forgiven billions of dollars, right? You'd think he'd be on top of the world. <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't have that debt anymore. But then the story takes this weird turn, if you know it. The servant goes and he finds another servant. And this servant owes him thousands, not billions, but thousands, still a lot. And you'd think that the servant would be chill about the thousands because he was just forgiven billions. But he's like, give me the thousands. And this other servant like, says the same thing. Hey, man, just be patient. I'll get you the thousands. But it says in Matthew 18, 30, but he wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Obviously, when the listeners are hearing Jesus tell the story, they're like, what the heck? Like, he was forgiven billions? He can't forgive thousands? Well, how did the king feel about that? And so the king, Jesus says, the king was angry. And he called that servant back to himself. And Matthew 18, 34 says, Then the angry king sent that man into prison to be until he had paid his entire debt. Will you leave that up for a second? Just leave that up. So I'm sitting in my room, mad that this girl's having a good time. I'm not having a good time. I can't forgive her. Meanwhile, she's cool with me, I guess, but she's living her life. I'm in my room mad. And the Lord showed me, Jeffrey, you built a fence. And this fence, like, literally is keeping you in prison. And, and this is what I learned. The bottom line is that we build these fences when we get offended, and the offense becomes offense, but eventually that fence becomes a prison. And if you're not careful, then the fence that you thought was protecting you will be the very fence that imprisons you. If you're not careful, all of this anger and bitterness and resentment that you have towards people, it might be justified. But justified or not, it's still going to be a prison. Justified or not, Jesus still wants you to forgive people, not because they deserve it, but Jesus is for you. And unforgiveness and easily offended people lock themselves up just like this man who refused to forgive and it ended up torturing and imprisoning him. God wants you to forgive and if possible to restore the relationship, but it's toxic. Listen, it is toxic to want forgiveness and then not forgive other people. It's toxic to live this life where you don't want people to get offended at you because, oh, that wasn't my intention. But then you'll judge other people despite what they said their intention was. And it's like this. It's like this. If you are wanting grace but not giving grace, so you're willing to receive grace, but you're not willing to give. Grace can come in but not out. In, not out. Let me ask you a question. What's the only place you can think of where somebody can come in but not out? Prison. And that's exactly what happens. When we sit there and we think, oh, God, I love your grace, and then we live offended at other people, you're doing nothing but putting a fence around yourself to make your own prison. And it's something that we've got to get a hold of because I've seen too many relationships fall and flop because people don't know how to forgive. Guess what? People aren't perfect. If you're going to be in a relationship, a friendship, anything, people are going to hurt your feelings. 
wow, no one's going to be the perfect friend. But can you be a good forgiver? Sometimes we, we need to stop worrying about, are they the perfect friend? And ask yourself, am I a good forgiver? That's probably a more important question. Here's a very good analogy that, that I think is a word picture for this. In Israel, there are two seas. There's the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee, it receives water from the Jordan River. And then it gives water to the Dead Sea. So it's receiving water and then it's giving water. And because it's receiving water and giving water, it's this atmosphere where there's so much life and there's fishes and turtles and all this good stuff. But then there's the Dead Sea. Emphasis on the word dead. Because the Dead Sea receives water from the Sea of Galilee, but it does not give water anywhere. So it receives, but it doesn't give. It receives and it doesn't give. And because it has that atmosphere where it receives, but it doesn't give, there is no life produced in the Dead Sea. No fish can live there. What I'm saying is, if you live this life where you want to receive grace and not give grace, your relationships will have no life. You will be one of those people that switches relationships and you look back and, oh, I got a different friendship and a different friend group all the time. And there's a problem with everybody else. The problem, honestly, is probably that you're easily offended. And you're looking for perfect people. And really, God just wants you to learn perfect love and then forgive. So, how do you know if you're easily offended? I mean, I think in some sense it's obvious, right? Like if somebody says somebody's name, like, I hate that guy. He's probably offended. But... There's other tests. I'm going to give you a little thing called the offense test. I was studying um, psychology and what psychologists say goes through the mind of people who are really easily offended. And they came up with three things. The first thing they said is that people who are easily offended always think about themselves. So here's the first thing on the offense test. Number one, ask yourself, do I always think about myself? Here's what I've learned. If you always think about yourself, you're going to be offended when other people don't. And here's an analogy that I think makes this very apparent, very obvious, okay? Let's say you're going out and you like really spent time on how you were dressed. I mean, the clothes, the hair, the like you know you look good, okay? Girl or guy, I don't care, like you're in your best. And you go out and not one compliment. You would be like, y'all blind? You know what I'm saying? You'd be offended. Why? Because you focused on it so much. Like, I look good, objectively. But then, let's say it was a, a quick, you, you got that, you know, the pity invite. <laughs> so you're like, oh, whatever. You throw on a cap. You got some sweats on and like a baggy shirt. You go out. You have your night and nobody compliments you. You don't care. Why? Because you were never really thinking about yourself that much in the first place. You see this? When you're constantly thinking about yourself, you're offended when other people don't. Easily offended people constantly think about themselves. Life is so much more fun when you just don't care anymore. Life is so much more fun when you just stop, like, needing compliments and needing praise and needing things from other people. At some point, if your relationship with God is good enough and you know what he thinks about you, you stop caring what other people think about you, and then you become less offended because you're not thinking about yourself all the time. 
Maybe that's why this scripture, see, there's a lot of scriptures that they dialogue with these psychology points. Philippians 2, 3 through 4, it says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. In other words, go out in your sweatpants and your messy bun, just wait. Uh, be humble, thinking of others, thinking of others, thinking of who? Others as better than yourself. I just have a hunch that it's probably hard to offend somebody so easily who's always thinking about other people. Don't look out for only your own interest, but take an interest in other people too. It's like the Bible knew that if we were constantly consumed with thinking about ourselves, we're going to be easily offended and easily trapped. But how else do we know if we're easily offended? The psychology test said it's not just that people always think about themselves all the time, but people who are easily offended often complain more than they compliment. Complain more than they compliment. So ask yourself, am I somebody who complains more than compliments? Some people got like a spiritual gift of complaining. They could be in like the nicest place ever. Like, did you see that the door corner is scuffed? You're like, seriously, that's what you focused on? But you got to ask yourself, if everything is always like, oh, they always do this wrong. If you only have complaints about your boss, you only have complaints about your teacher, you, only, you have more complaints than compliments about your friends, let me tell you, that's a good time to stop pointing the finger and go look in the mirror. Because those people who complain more than compliment, most of the time, they're looking for wrongs. You're looking to be offended. You're looking for somebody to, to do something wrong. And the Bible actually tells you what you should be thinking about and looking for. It's in Philippians 4.8. Paul says, finally, brothers, whatever's true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Someone who thinks like this, Philippians 4.8, they learn to compliment more than they learn to complain. And when you do that, you avoid the trap of being easily offended so much uh, more often than you get stuck in the trap of offense. And lastly, these psychologists, they said, okay, people who are easily offended, they think about themselves a lot. They complain more than they compliment. And I thought this was a good one. They said this, they always see themselves as the victim. The last thing you need to ask on the offense test is, do I continually see myself as the victim? I'll never forget. I was sitting in a church service, and my pastor at the time in Los Angeles, he said this. He said, hey, just remember, you are always the bad guy in somebody else's story. And I thought, dang, that's true. But are you ever the bad guy when you tell it? Or are you always the victim? Man, when we tell the story, we're hardly ever the bad guy. But just know that somebody else is telling the same story and you're the bad guy. That's like a sobering thought. But here's some encouragement. Whenever you tell the story, it's not bad to know that you're the bad guy. In fact, it's healthy to be able to say, and then I did something stupid. Most of the time, people will give you mercy if you do that. And then I said something I shouldn't have said. And then I took it too far. And then I fill in the blank. But if somebody is always the bad guy and you're always the victim, that's probably a chance that you are living this life where you're too easily offended. But when we're not scared to say, hey, man, I blew it. Hey, that was on me. The Bible says we obtain mercy. Look, Proverbs 28, 13 says, whoever hides his sins will not prosper. 
but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. If it's always somebody else's fault, the odds are we're probably living too easily offended. So what time is it? Ooh, 8.32, I'm done. But I hope you see. Here's the thing. When you live easily offended, even if you have a good reason to do it, it's a trap. There is no reason to do that. And it's not so much as like a don't do this rule. It's a warning because God wants you to have incredible relationships. I hope you know this. Like what God wants for your lives is friends that you can trust. Friends that you can fail and they'll forgive, forgive you. Friends you can fail and they'll, or friends that can fail you and you'll forgive them. God doesn't want you to have perfect relationships. God wants you to have graceful relationships, forgiving relationships. God's will for your life is to have the best marriage, the best dating relationship, the best friends. But if you're easily offended, that's toxic for that. You're just looking to put out the blessing of God in your life. Don't do it. Some of us today, we need to look in the mirror and say, God, I'm sorry that I've been so easily offended. Would you help me? Because here's the thing. We get offended. We build these fence. Offense becomes offense. But then, while you're thinking you're getting them, it's getting you, and that fence becomes a prison. Don't do it. Don't take the bait. It's not worth it. Toxic relationship number one, being easily offended. This week, here's my, here's my prayer for you, that you'll go out, and when people fail you, you'll give them grace. That even the people you got to distance yourself from, the people that you have to protect yourself from, you'll protect yourself from them, but you'll do it from a heart that loves them. You'll do it from a heart that says, man, if you're ever ready to reconcile, I'm right here. Because when you have hate in your heart and offense in your heart, you do nothing but chain yourself up and then get mad that God's keeping you chained. He's not keeping you chained. He's saying, here's the key. My love for you, the, the one that you were so happy to receive, receive it and then give it. Receive it and then give it. But if you receive and don't give, it's going to create an atmosphere where no life can grow. It's going to create an atmosphere where nothing good can come out of it. And some of you, maybe you've burned a lot of friendships. Maybe you need to go apologize to people. Maybe you need to go and say, hey, I'm sorry that I was so easily offended about that. Whatever it is, just know this. God does not want you trapped by offense. God wants you free. God wants you to love the relationships around you. But you got to not be offended because offense becomes a fence and offense becomes a prison. Amen. Let's pray. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Victoria area, stop by one of our services. Church is way better with people. So if you're between the ages of 18 to 29, check out our Instagram at ffc.ya. All of our service info is there. And if you're 6th through 12th grade, check out our Instagram at ffc.sm. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And even more, I hope it brought you closer to God. Have a great day.